time once again for this year at Windsor. Arden Beach, your host, back after however long the hiatus has been. Dr. J, good afternoon. It is great to have you back, Arden. Oh, we're so bad at this. You're bad at this. I'm, I've been hitting the road, man. I don't know what you've been That's doing. That's true. You've been out and about doing the work, hitting Some, the pavement. Someone's got to keep the money coming no, in. I've been slacking off. Slacking off. Special guest as well today, Pastor Eddie. Hey, how you going? Good. I feel like I'm the only Aussie here. <laughs> because you are. Two, two-thirds American in the room. This is my dream. Yeah. You finally, <laughs> you finally got the numbers. Finally. Finally. One of these days. No, it's great to have you, Eddie. How was your trip? It was excellent. It was great. It was, um, I don't know what to say about it, except it was one of the most memorable trips, I think, that we've had. Switzerland. Yeah. Switzerland, yes. Amazing. Yes, it was. It's just, um, every mountain looks like it's photoshopped. Huh. But it's right there. There you go. Yes. Wow. If you could take three things from Switzerland and bring them to Australia, what would you pick? The dairy, any dairy product, it just blew everything out of the water. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, any bread product, it's all around food. (laughs) (laughs) And chocolate, and chocolate. There you you go. I I was actually duped because we didn't eat mint chocolate Mm -hmm. overseas because we're like, oh, we got that in Australia. Mm -hmm. And then I come over here and realize that a lot of the chocolate that we have here in Australia is actually not from Switzerland, even though it's lint chocolate. It's like the Coke. It's like the Coke here that is, is different, isn't it? Better, I think, is the word you're looking yeah. for. Yeah, you keep telling yourself that. <laughs> so, yeah, so dairy, chocolate, bread. bread yes. is there, do they do bread a certain way? Is it like a traditional Swiss way of doing bread? I have no idea. Okay. It's just... That high altitude A. It could be. It just tastes better, feels better, chews better. <laughs> That's great. Um, so... Any, like, you traveled with the family, you, you took your kids and your wife, you did the big, you did the big excursion. Are, are your kids old enough yet where they can appreciate what's going on? Or are you constantly having to tell them, like, hey, oh, pay attention, this is really cool? Yeah, it's like 50-50. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they appreciate that we're traveling to someplace new and they realize, I mean, they've never seen mountains like that. So mm-hmm. they were like, wow, just like, just like we were. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, they're like, okay, two seconds later, can we play with our iPads? <laughs> you know, yeah. so uh, that sounds like kids. Yeah. yeah. Well, stacks of stuff happening at church. First up, I did want to mention we've started a new sermon series after making our way through Romans for about a year and a half. It was only six months, man. <laughs> that was a long time. We're walking backwards. Like it takes a while. True, true, true. No, but I, I just want to say I, I loved what you said the other day. It, it kind of hit me uh, when you talked about it. Wasn't even like the main part of the sermon or anything, but you talked about furrowing the hard ground Mm. and it made me realize that that ground that is hard that heart that is hard there's got to be like some action there Mm. almost like a violent thing Mm. to kind of break that down and I I really like that yeah we were talking about this series on pain which um, is a bit intimidating if I'm honest we were talking about this earlier today it's a bit intimidating as a preacher to open up a topic that everyone just can immediately access and say yes I hate this I have pain uh, what are you going to do for me about that? Um, so it's a bit intimidating as a preacher, but um, you know we're using this this guy Michael Kim. He he wrote a book. You know that's kind of given us some inspiration as we think about this uh, different types of pain and how we can talk about it. Um, but I think one of the things that really unlocked for me in preparing for this series was how we respond to pain with isolation, often with shame. And when you do that for a prolonged period of time, that's, I think, where the hardness comes. And if God has promised to build up his people through his church, 
then that's got to happen in relationship. And so, yeah, it is a bit provocative. It, I'm not expecting people to love it. And I'm grateful it's only six weeks we're going to focus on this. But but that is kind of, yeah, poking the bear a little bit to, to say, hey, let's stir this stuff up and trust that the Spirit of God is going to you know do something transformative in us through it. So I was really glad you picked up on that comment, even though it was a throwaway. Yeah, yeah, because it was just like an offhand comment that you did at the beginning. But yeah, it made me realize there, there has to be some sort of force involved yeah, to, to break in. Yeah. And teaser, uh, the, the guest that we're going to have, you're going to hear part one of later in this show. She actually refers to pain as a transformative event in her life. I won't give too much away, but yeah, just to double down on what you, on what you just said, that often it is God uses these intense, acute moments of pain to start something really significant in our growth and development. All right, well, on the way in uh, the next couple of months, 12th of November, we've got the Young Adults Worship Night coming up. Yes, and I've been told to tell you it's not just for young adults. Even Pastor Eddie can come. Wow, they've broadened it that far. Yes, 50-plus are invited. (laughs) Thank you. Yep, yep. Are are there going to be any hymns there, do you think? How many hymns do you think we're going to sing in the worship I hope we see some hers as well. Oh, Oh, wow. That was the next level pastor fun. Sorry. <laughs> that was great. Oh, said, will we see some hymns? <laughs> Arden's lost it. It was, the, it was the choice of verbs. Bring us back. Oh, yeah, wow. Bring us back. When, when, when we've had worship nights before, they've, they've gone quite well. I, yeah, I'm looking for, for big things again on mm-hmm. the one that's coming up. Um, how would you, this is a question, uh, how would you evaluate uh, whether a worship night was a big one or something happened in a worship night? I'd love to hear your answer to this. Uh, I think from my experience, there's some sort of intrinsic relationship between me touching God and him touching me. Mm. It it doesn't seem to be more of one or the other. It seems to be one and the same. Mm. Um, So if I come away from a service feeling feeling changed, I suppose, feeling that I have spent time with him and blessing him, I'll in turn feel that he's done the same to me. I think, yeah, I think it just boils down to some some time in his presence, I think, yeah. Mm. That's great. I love that answer. So 12th of November is the worship night. Uh, we're gonna. Ha- I found out today we're going to have coffee and tea, maybe some cakes. Last cup is going to come before the worship night. So that'll start, I don't know, quarter to five, five o'clock, something like that. So yeah, okay. yeah it should be a great evening. Yeah, cool. A couple of weeks after that, 25th of November, the Wombats are back. <laughs> the Wombats. <laughs> they got a big mention in the, uh, in the announcements. Some time ago. Yes, I think. Are you referring to the women at Windsor? Is that what it stands for? Uh, yes, ah. yes the, the women at Windsor. Uh, yeah, they're having a, a women's Christmas dinner. And of course, the big one coming up, 17th of December, the carols are back and they've got some amazing hosts this year, let me tell you. Me and Pastor Eddie. It's the first time, I, I, honestly, I've never been a part of anything like carols. Hmm. Um, I think as an American, as well as as a Korean, uh, someone who's always been part of the Asian immigrant church, I don't think we've ever celebrated carols whatsoever. And so all I've ever seen about carols is what I see on TV or, you know, and and unfortunately I'm usually at church, so I don't even get to see that. And so, um, and I didn't realize how big it was, that it was this great event. It wasn't just singing carols, but there were like, I saw previous videos of the Windsor Christmas carols. Yeah, there's theatrics. Yes, absolutely wonderful. And so I'm really excited to be a part of it. Mm, Well, we're hosting. Are you ready? Are you excited? Hey, if I can do anything with Arden Beach, you know, it's always a privilege. It's an honor, really, isn't it? It is. 
All right, so Carol's coming up 17th of December. Uh, encourage everybody to come out to that. It is a community event. If you have somebody who you've been thinking about, you know, doing a soft invitation to church, um, you know, they might be on the fence. They might feel a bit intimidated coming to a Sunday service. Uh, Carol's is a great time to bring them in. Uh, they'll hear the gospel message. They get to sing. They'll. Uh, it's a very informal, lighthearted, as you can tell, a lighthearted uh, gathering. And uh, I'm looking forward to what you guys are going to do as hosts. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, I have to. I don't know what the plan is, Eddie, in terms of costumes and stuff. Last time they were dictated to us by my wife. So just watch out. You could be wearing anything. Oh, that's fine. I I, I thought it was a joke, quite honestly. Then she asked me, "Would you be willing to put on an angel costume?" And I just thought, oh, are you serious? Because I, th- I, thought, I thought we were just singing carol songs. But now that I realize that it is so much more and deserving of costumes, I am willing to wear anything. We'll see what we get given. That's yes. right. It'll, is, it'll is, be awesome. Is Marilee behind the costumes this year? I'm not sure. If she, I mean, she's part of the team. I don't know who okay. makes the final decision this time around. But. We tried to, at staff meeting today, we tried to talk Eddie into being fleecy. but No good. No good. Apparently the costume's too small for me. <laughs> Anyway, special guest this week. Now, you've been out and about interviewing yep. people, and you've done very well the past few weeks without Thank me. You. you know, I've, I've let you out of the nest, mm. and you've flown like an eagle. You've flown, you've soared even, some would say. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, sort of bungled the audio in the last one, but, you know, that's okay. Uh, but, yeah, this week I got to go out and interview Dr. Jenny Brown. She is an author, a speaker, a co-founder of uh, the Family Systems Institute, and she's a great, um, yeah, a great Christian woman who's done a lot of thinking and coaching and training and just working with people on the aspect of relationships, particularly family relationships. But then she's really brought a lot of wisdom to how systems thinking impacts other, you know, wider organizations. So I was really privileged that Mariah scooped the interview for us. So uh, that was great that she lined that up. She's a good producer. She's very good. Um, we better give her a raise. Mm. Yeah. Does she get anything for doing the podcast? Maybe we'll give her two sugar packets in the coffee. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. Uh, yeah. So Mariah booked a great, great guest for us, uh, Dr. Jenny Brown. It was a fantastic interview. It was actually so good that I think we're going to have to split it into two parts. And yeah, the first part, she talks a bit about what systems thinking is, a little bit of her background, how she got involved in working with uh, children and families and um, yeah, a little bit of her journey of faith as well. And then in, in the second part, I think um, it's, you're going to hear she talks more about uh, what it looks like as an adult to navigate some challenging relationships in your life, be that uh, with other family members, with, with the onset of children, or be that dealing with grief and anxiety and other, other things. So, All right, well, let's go to the first half of that interview with Dr. Ginny Brown, and we'll be back in a sec. Welcome back to This Week at Windsor. My name is Jonathan Hoffman. I am sitting down with the wonderful Jenny Brown today. Jenny is a doctor. She is a author. She is a speaker. She co-founded the Family Systems Institute. I don't know why that's so hard for it's me to say. It's a mouthful. It's all those <laughs> S's in there. Uh, dropping my uh, speech impediment here. Uh, she founded the Family Systems Institute in 2004. Uh, Jenny has been serving as a faculty member most recently after stepping down from there in 2021. She's a clinical member and supervisor of the Australian Association of Family Therapy 
And most recently in 2022, she was awarded the Polly Kasky Research Award by the Bowen Center for her work with parents and the family projection process. I could keep going. Uh, you are quite an accomplished uh, guest, and I want to say thank you so much for sitting down with us today. A pleasure to be with you. So to give uh, those of you who listen a bit of context, my wife Joanna and I sat down to read Jenny's book, Growing Yourself Up, a couple years ago. I should say my wife pestered me over and over and over again and said, Jonathan, you need to read this book. And, uh, and you know, about the sixth time she got me, finally sat down, we read it together. Uh, and it uh, just absolutely blew my mind, opened it up. And then we got to hear Jenny a couple months ago at the Building Better Marriages Conference. And so I'm really excited that you've joined us today. Uh, Jenny, thanks so much for being here. I might just start off by saying, um, what is Bowen Systems Theory? It's all through your work. Can you just yeah. give us a little bit of an introduction as to what that is? Yeah, I discovered this theory doing postgrad training in the US in the early 90s. I'm really grateful to God for discovering this research and set of ideas that show how we all affect each other in relationships. It's about patterns, predictable patterns. It's so helpful to use to understand what happens in our relationships when we're stressed, which is a lot of the time in this pressured day and age. So it just gives people a map for making sense of it. It's grounded in very solid scientific research. And uh, I've been committed to making it accessible to people, not with lots of heavy-duty academic language, but and hence growing yourself up, how to bring your best to all of life's relationships. The subtitle is translating this theory into everyday real situations in people's lives. So your bio says that you started doing work in this area in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. What drew you to this segment of work, and is there a, is there a backstory to that? Well, I left high school and had a year overseas and then went to study arts law and escaped that. Didn't know why I was doing that. And I found my way to studying arts social studies, which moves into psychology and social work. I loved it from the word go, the broad study of society and people and how the environment affects people. So it just fitted for me. But I will say, Jonathan, that I realize my family experience also primed me to be comfortable in the helper role, mm. which has not necessarily been a good thing for my own growth in maturity. So I've written about that in the book, about how I've learned to come alongside people rather than take over for them, which I had a habit of doing previously. Yeah. Can you unpack that a little bit? You mentioned the helper role. What is, what is that? Well, we have formal helper roles and very informal helper roles. In my family growing up, in my teenage years, I became a confidant to my mother and that put me into a kind of help her out role. Five children, a lot of challenges in just normal family challenges. And that role helped me to feel steadier. I felt important to my mother I felt even important to my father because I sensed that he was really comfortable that I filled 
that space that let him off the hook of being the one who my mother debriefed with. So that has primed me to go to a helper posture without even being conscious of it as a way of being in familiar territory. Thanks for unpacking that for us. As we look at like uh, family units, and I know there's all different shapes and sizes, um, as you look at a family unit, what are some of the, the dominant roles? Are there other roles besides the helper role? Mm-hmm. Um, what, if you kind of give us a brief sort of map of a family, what are some typical yeah. roles people might play? Yeah, and that is what I love about family systems thinking is there are predictable patterns that we get into to steady ourselves and to bring kind of harmony, try to bring harmony to our relationships. So there are essentially four. There's using distance as a way of kind of avoiding tension, get me out of here, let keep me out of this. And that's a common one. We all do it to varying degrees, just getting space. And the other one I've mentioned is the overhelping and underhelping self. Two people do a dance together. One steadies themselves by letting the other take over and the other, like me, in my early years of adult life, steadied herself by ta- readily taking over. And I took that pattern to my marriage long time ago now. I think I've worked very hard to adjust that. And the other one is conflict. Conflict is not just a symptom, it's also a way of managing stress. You feel strong when you are fighting with somebody and they're fighting back. Two people holding a a feeling of pretend strength with each other is quite a common pattern in families. And the other one where I've put a lot of my research and attention is where parents make a project out of a child, particularly a child they perceive as more vulnerable or that they're more stressed about, that if you put all your energy into the child rather than yourself, it's a, it's a detour. And Parents can do that. It can fill a gap in the marriage without parents even knowing it. So going back to your situation, and you wrote this book, Growing Yourself Up. Great title, by the way. Fascinating. Great title. Um, how old were you when this started to click? Like, And you're like, you, I assume you're, you're an adult as you're working through this yeah, stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah, how did you find that journey as someone who was already kind of well into life? Mm-hmm. I mean, did you have to sort of take yourself aside and give yourself a pep talk and say, okay, Jenny, we got to get ourselves together here? Like, how, how, how does one even begin that journey? Because society, they kind of look at you as someone who's, oh, you're an adult. You, you should have arrived. You should have, you know, ticked all these boxes. Um, and I, I imagine a lot of people feel confronted by that idea of, oh, you're telling me that I'm an adult and I, I have some growing to do still. Yeah, um, we all do. And it's never too late. It's part of the message of the, of the book and the work that I do with parents particularly now. My own journey, I was doing, I, I'd done a Master's of Science at a university in the US and then did a post-grad family therapy program. And Bowen theory was out the theory, the book that we were reading. And I just read this stuff and could see all of my clients. I'd been in the field for about 12 years. I was in my um, early 30s and I had young children living in away from family. And I think, Jonathan, the key that really brought it home for me is my father 
died while I was beginning to study this theory. On the other side of the world, my mother had died when I was much younger of breast cancer. So to confront one of those challenging, acute events in any family from the other side of the world, I thought it really just made me take stock of how do I manage grief in my family and where do I sit with that because I had never been comfortable being the vulnerable one, how to reach out to my siblings and share my grief and my struggles, which was really uncomfortable for me. I had some coaching in the field at the time and that just helped me put these ideas into practice, really starting to adjust how I was programmed to relate to the important people in my life. So would it be fair to say that as you're in the practice, as you're reading this, you get faced with these acute crises that bring on some intense grief? And so would it be fair to say that your grief really forced you Yeah, because when you lose your second parent, it's a revisiting of the grief of losing your first parent for me and how our family coped with that. And we were distances and avoiders Mm. running away from being open about what was going on. Our mother knew she was dying. She confided in other people, but not her children. She was fearful of distressing us and her husband and I understand that there's no blame or finger pointing in this way of seeing just the ways people do their best with all the best intentions so it it proved to be a really a big turning point in in my life and my work. What would you say to somebody who might be listening to this and is thinking well I've cut ties with my family Mm -hmm. I've already put a label over that. I've said that's toxic or that's not helpful or maybe they're just they're just unapproachable for whatever reason they've had to put a line under it. Do you find there's still work to be done even if that connection isn't there? I really encourage people to to revisit thinking about the story of their family over the generations and to try to understand the difficult people that they maybe have given up on or put over there as you say and and labeled in certain ways and to see that there's a much bigger picture than just individual people being difficult and I, I respect that people will make their own decisions is it do I have the capacity or the will to reconnect but I really think it's valuable to explore from a different angle. Well, there you go. Did you enjoy that? Loved it. She's so insightful. So more of more of Dr. Jenny whenever the, we get together again and get the next version out. Yeah. No, looking forward to doing part two, which should hopefully be next week. And yeah, it'll, it'll be a great time. And I was just, again, impressed and so grateful that she took the time. Please, uh, if you want to find out more about her, you can just Google her name. Her name's Jenny Brown. Uh, she wrote a book called Growing Yourself Up, which was mentioned in the interview. Google that. You'll find her website, all sorts of information. And there's a lot of, a lot of great details there to be had. Well, thank you once again, Dr. J. Pastor Eddie, thank you for joining us also. Did you enjoy your time? I did. Thanks for inviting me back. And he'll be back again. Anytime. Anytime. This is This Week at Windsor. Thank you for joining us.